Welcome, 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 everybody. Whew, I am excited to get this episode going. First off, I want to say that I am so thankful to all of you that have listened and followed my journey with me this far. If you've not listened to part one and part two of this little series about my whole career thing, um, I would encourage you to do so. There is a lot that has happened prior to this part three. I would also like to just take a few minutes to say that I hope people from all backgrounds, politically, religiously, gender, all the things, I hope I'm reaching someone from all walks of life. And I hope that no matter if you agree or disagree with me, if you love my views, you hate my views, you believe my intentions, or perhaps you don't. What is important in all of this is that I'm a human being that was, and kind of still am, um, I was going through a hell of a lot of pain, a hell of a lot of attacks and lies, and just how much this affected me, my health, my husband, my family, my friends. The situation literally took over our lives. These were unknowingly the last months with my husband, who would be taken from me too soon. And this was how our final months were spent. He was angry and frustrated and encouraging me to speak out. Him being on the other end of the phone after every meeting as I cried, trying to calm me down so I could drive safely home. Him holding me each night, convincing me that the truth will win. And if it doesn't, this institution does not deserve me. It's not the end of the world for me to leave that place. Neil was my strength, my comfort, my cheerleader, my peace. And this time also was the time when my family needed to be focusing on helping my brother through cancer. Many of you guys know that mindset and stress management are key to beating cancer. So throwing all of this on me and my family, my brother, the big brother who only wanted to protect me, only wanted to make things right, instead of being able to focus on healing himself, he was worrying about his baby sister being mistreated by her administration, being online bullied by liberal alums, my own kids watching their mother go through all this, being harassed, being physically ill all of, over all of this. All of it was disgusting and wrong. But here I am. I'm still standing. My kids watch me make it through. They watch me speak out in the Daily Wire article, and now they get to listen to me raise my voice through this podcast. My brother was alive long enough to see the article, but now he's gone. Neil didn't even make it long enough to get to see the article. His death, which is connected to all of this, is what spurred me to agree to the Daily Wire article. And now I think of him every single time I hit the publish on one of these episodes. I truly feel he's up there with Mark high-fiving along with Diff, who was another silence conservative teacher at this school that we lost too soon. So I just wanted to point out that no matter if you agree or disagree with me or you have the same beliefs as me or not, I hope that you just understand that no human should be treated this way. That's the bottom line. So having said all that, let's get back to the drama. Last I left you guys, it was late February, and I had not been in the classroom since February 2nd. I left off with the February 22nd meeting, and in the time that I recorded that, I actually found all of my notes from 
the meeting with the headmaster and head of HR from February 18th. And just I wanted to say that during that meeting, I was told that this, quote, investigation would focus on August 2020 forward. And that ended up being a lie. But the kicker, I was told by the headmaster in that meeting, quote, to be honest with you, and I don't mean to be crass about this, but I also don't need to hear from any students or any parents on your behalf. Um, what? So he will entertain or, quote, investigate any negative things that come in about me. But he is flat out telling me that he did not want to hear from anyone supporting me. This would come into play again at our final meeting. So I just wanted to point that out since I had found those notes. He also reiterated that I was not to talk to the kids, the students, about anything. Okay, so I met with the principal and head of HR on February 22nd. And it was gross. I sent a formal complaint to the headmaster about that meeting, about my principal, as well as how the head of HR never just sat aside and never stood up for any for me. I mean, I again, I feel like the head of HR is supposed to kind of be an advocate for the employees. Anyway, I sent that email to him the next day and I never got any response to that complaint. Mind you, remember, I never got any response about the formal complaint I made against my principal back in August to the head of HR. So February 25th, I emailed the head of school and the principal and the head of HR with my concerns about how many messages that I am getting daily from students and parents who are worried about their education. And I too had concerns because the sub that was in the classroom was not able to teach calculus and it wasn't her fault. But I had concerns about that. I had concerns my own health. And I said all of this in that February 25th email. No reply. So over three weeks in, I've got no clue when I'm returning or what this investigation is finding. Nada. But then something happens. It's February 26th. Neil and I are at Cactus Grill having dinner. And I receive an email. This email says... Mrs. Reams, something happened last night in a junior group chat that made me very upset. It shows a ridiculous double standard that I feel should be addressed, and at the very least, you need to know about it. I spoke with Mr. So-and-so, another teacher, about it today, and he agreed. I'm going to send you some screenshots I received and let you read them. I want you to see it, and if you do go to the principal or the headmaster with it, I would like to remain anonymous. It's very touchy for me, and I don't feel comfortable talking to the principal about it as it regards his son. I get this email while I'm at dinner. So here's the deal. There was a group chat that involved the majority of the junior class, so around 100 kids, including the son of the principal. Now, this kid never had me in class, never participated in any club that I sponsored. Literally the only interaction I had had with him was during a dodgeball game during color clash week, his freshman year, when he got hit time and time again and refused to follow the rules and leave the floor. Shocker. 
So I'd get on the microphone and tell him to leave. And even then, I didn't know he was the principal's son. I was actually told that later. Somebody's like, you know who that was? I was like, no. And so they told me. Anyway, however, this child had, for some reason, decided he was going to attack me in this group chat with all the other juniors. Isn't that kind of odd? So here's a little bit of what was said on the group chat. So the students are discussing me, obviously, and the fact that I had been gone from the classroom and when am I going to come back, blah, 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 blah. So son of the principal says, I think she understands what she did is wrong. Oh, well, no, I'm sorry. This is not the son of the principal. This is one of the students in my class saying this directed at this, the principal's son. I think she understands what she did is wrong and has taken steps to heal that wound. Her students shouldn't have to suffer, especially when she has taken steps to understand what she has done and be better by it. Another student, a lot of people in her math class are suffering by her being gone. It's frustrating because the school knew about this post last summer. So then principal's kid says to the first student, But due to the fact that she has and continues to offend students at an alarming rate isn't good for the community whatsoever. Her students can be helped other ways with a sufficient substitute or a new teacher all around. The student body shouldn't have to deal with racist teachers or students who support them for no other reason than they are tired of study halls. Grow up a little bit. That's what the principal's son said. Now, mind you, I've never had the kid. I don't know the kid. So one of my students says, directed to the principal's son, I'm just curious, are you in her class? And another student said, um, this is a student that's in my class that happens to be of the Jewish faith. And this person said, as someone who is a member of the group she was talking about, as well as one of her students, I can tell that she truly felt awful for what she did. She started sobbing in front of my class. She's one of the sweetest teachers in the high school, and it would be a shame to see her go because of this. Everyone has posted something that could have gotten them in serious trouble, but we're just smarter about it, keeping it in group chats and private stories. I mean, things go on and on, and some other people chime in and all this kind of stuff, but... What's interesting is another student in my class said to the principal's kid, we are just having study halls. We are having to learn through videos. Mrs. Reams is sending us. I'm not trying to come at you in any way. I just want you to understand we are struggling with her being gone. Our parents haven't even gotten an email explaining why she is gone. The whole situation needs to be handled better. Oh, my goodness. What's interesting, too, is... This is where it gets bad. The principal's son, not only has he already talked about me and said things that were not true because I've never, I had never been in trouble with the school for anything like this. So for him to say this wasn't the first time was total BS, okay? So here's what's interesting. The principal's kid says, if I am correct, I haven't really heard of or seen, and he names the Jewish student, practiced Judaism that arduously in the years I've known him. On top of that, I've never seen him at a Jewish student union meeting. How, quote, Jewish 
he is isn't for me to judge, but it doesn't exactly feel like he's fighting for other minorities as well. Oh my gosh, right there. He's attacking his Jewish classmate. And that Jewish classmate said, quote, I'm quite Jewish. <laughs> I mean, really? This is anti-Semitism right here. I mean, it's crazy. And again, this kid on this group chat says, the son of the principal says, we are forgetting that this isn't this teacher's only action that has been subject to criticism. She has been racist, anti-Semitic, and strongly against the LGBTQ plus community for a while, on top of other bigoted actions. This isn't just because of one action. This is a buildup that is finally being recognized. Complete lies, y'all. That child completely lied on me. Never was I in trouble for any of that. Never did I say anything like that. So, whew, I get that at Sunset Grill with my husband getting ready to go to dinner. Okay? So, I contact the head of school immediately. He emailed me at like 6.45 asking for screenshots, which I sent him later that evening. Uh -huh. Anyway, so here's what I sent to the headmaster that night. It says, and I changed some names um, in this because, you know, I don't, I don't try not to say too many names. So in this, I'm going to change the principal's son's name to Sam. OK, so here's the head of school. I have attached a document where I cut and pasted what the student sent me as well as some screenshots. I apologize as to the students for th the student for things possibly being out of order. But the gist of the conversation is not OK and made the student and me very uneasy. My concerns are many. Top priority is my Jewish student who stood up for me and Sam questioned his dedication to his faith, with the student finally saying, quote, I'm quite Jewish. Second is Sam accusing me of being racist, anti-Semitic, and strongly against the LGBTQ plus community for a while. I feel it is terrible and ridiculous that I need to remind or tell anyone of my past with the black community as well as regarding the LGBTQ plus community. I am mortified by these accusations that have been put out there by Sam. This is not the first time Sam has used a group chat inappropriately to cause a rise of animosity. He was the instigator of animosity and hate on the politics group chat regarding the Capitol takeover. The liberal club faculty mem um, the faculty advisor pointed this out to the principal, showing him the chat message in front of myself and another administrator, and the principal brushed it off. There were zero consequences for Sam, and many students saw this happen and are not happy about it. One of the anecdotes I mentioned in my note to you was regarding Sam getting away with things such as this. Let me also remind you of what I referred to in my complaint about the principal regarding his son. Sam tried to get me fired via text or group chat, I'm not certain of the mode, and a parent complained to the head of HR about this. Then Sam mocked me getting COVID to his advisor at the time. The advisor went to head of HR due to feeling he could not go to the principal, and the only thing I am aware of that came of that was that Sam switched advisories, and then he sent me an apology email, which obviously was forced seeing his true feelings in this chat. Then Sam's mother, the principal's wife, who bullied a student via Facebook after graduation in 2019, came after the math department chair via email. And then Sam's sister, the principal's daughter, came after the advisor about the situation via email. There have been zero consequences given to Sam that I am aware of for any of this behavior that goes against our school's values. 
I also noticed in the group chat that nobody else seems to know anything about any allegations against me aside from my post in July. Sam is the only one that seems to know about any other concerns. This makes me wonder what his father is sharing at home about my situation. I do not want this to overshadow my concerns about my principal. I do, however, think this needs to be taken seriously. Please give me a call at 9 a.m. so we can discuss everything. Thank you, Beth Reeves. So I sent that the night that all of that happened, which was on February 26. It's crazy, you guys, that this kid had done so much to me. He had formed so many false opinions about me without knowing me, without ever being around me, without being in my classes. So what is it that he's hearing at home is my question. Okay, so interestingly enough, that's the night of February 26th. I'm then asked to do a Zoom meeting with the headmaster and head of HR on Saturday, February 27th, the day after the principal's son cyberattacked me and bullied a fellow Jewish student. On that call, I was asked to be back in the classroom that following Monday, March 1st. Four weeks after I was surprised with an administrative leave that was supposed to only last a few days. All that time, the kids were learning pre-calculus and calculus via online videos that I was making. In all of that time, neither parents nor students were informed of where I was, why I was gone, or when I would be returning. In all that time, the faculty was not informed of where I was, why I was gone, or when I would be returning. In all that time, I was not told any names of the people complaining or shown any written complaints against me. In all that time, I was not given a summary or final findings of this investigation. And even on March 5th, I emailed the head of HR upon request of my attorney, because now I got an attorney involved, and I asked again for the letter from that Alexis girl, as well as anything that is being put in my file regarding the investigation. I was told there was nothing in my employee file. So after all this, putting me through all this, you're telling me that my file is clean? So the only thing in my file are the amazing evaluations that I've gotten over the past 25 years? But my future employment is still unknown? Like, what the hell, y'all? I mean, I'm thrilled to get back in the classroom, but isn't this all kind of weird that you go all that time, nearly four weeks, and then the day after the principal's kid does this, I'm asked to go back to the classroom. All I know is I was thrilled to get back in the classroom. The kids seem happy to have me back, even though I'm not sure everybody wanted me there or agreed with things or whatever, because I know I'm not perfect and everybody likes me and I'm not everybody's jam. But that's not the point. The point was how all of this was handled so irresponsibly and how much my students' education suffered. So now it's up to me to get everybody where they need to be academically to be ready for their next math class that they were gonna be in. And I've only got a little over a quarter left because I would be back for like two weeks and then we had a two week spring break and then we're right into fourth quarter. But you know what, teaching was my jam, I had this. I was just thrilled to be back. So all's good, right? We all live happily ever after. Uh, no. Not how it went. So for the next three months, three months, y'all, because I came back March 1st, I would be left up in the air regarding my future at this school. I teach. I have spring break. 
I met with the head of the school on April 7th, and in all fairness, we did have two weeks off in there for spring break. And when he asked me back on the Zoom, he did say that it was going to take a little time for them to make a decision about my contract renewal. So um, let's see, I meet with him on April 7th to check in. And then I send him an email on April 10th, per my attorney's advice, summarizing our meetings that we're both on the same page. So from this point forward, my attorney has advised me, like, have a meeting, take notes, then summarize the meeting so that right then, either he or I could say, no, that's not how I saw things going. So here's a few of the things I said about our April 7th meeting. I said, in our discussion, you asked for clarification on my communications with parents. I verified that I had been forthright with parents that the suspension was not what I wanted, nor was it in my control as the date of my return. Parents were not happy in these emails and texts. Since my return, I have been shown a great deal of support by students, parents, and faculty. I put regarding the principal's son, I clarified that when parents reached out to me, I told them I had been sent the screenshots, that I had sent you the screenshots, and that any disciplinary action was up to you and the principal. The last we spoke about this, you said there would likely be a conversation between the kid and myself, and you would let me know how things panned out. Side note, you guys, that never happened. There was never a conversation, and I never heard of any disciplinary action. Okay, back to this email. I was told that you were not ready to make a decision on my contract at this time. You expressed that two weeks before break and one week after did not give you ample time to give you a level of comfort with offering me a contract. This is disappointing and puts me in quite a tricky spot. After checking my notes, I was told that if the investigation ended on the positive side of things and I was asked to return, you saw no reason why I wouldn't be seen as a member of the school community moving forward. You told me I needed to meet with the principal about my contract and that you and he would then meet and come to a decision. You said that the head of HR will be sending me a timeline as to a decision being made. I expressed my worry for my department in this being drawn out and how hard it will be on them to hire the longer this continues. I again asked for copies of Alexis's letter, which I had previously been told I would be receiving, and any other written accusations. I have a meeting scheduled with the principal for Tuesday. Okay, so that was on April 10th. I sent that as a follow-up of everything we had talked about on April 7th. April 13th, I meet with my principal. I send another email summary to the headmaster about this meeting and about my continued concerns. In part, that email I said, I expressed to the principal my extreme disappointment in still being held in limbo and how this is affecting me physically and mentally, my family, my department, the planning of the schedule, etc. He expressed he still was, quote, thinking about it regarding his thoughts on kids who are not in my classroom being comfortable with me. I then shared with him a few quotes from students. I told the principal I am very concerned with my conservative kids and who they will have if I am not here. After seeing what has happened to me, I cannot see anyone on the current staff taking over the conservative. And the kids have been very vocal about me being their only safe space. The principal mentioned wanting all of our kids to always have an anchor. And this will not be true for these kids if I'm not here. So that's, those were a few of my concerns. And that was on April 13th. April 16th, I get an email from head of school, in part, saying this, Beth, thank you for your recent emails. As I mentioned when we visited, I'm not ready to make a decision yet as it relates to next school year, and I still need to talk to the principal. 
We decided not to terminate your employment agreement for the 2021 school year, but I have told you that for a variety of reasons, I'm still considering whether or not to renew your contract. Social media is a very public space, and your past posts have been counter to the direction of the school. Although some some support has been given for you, I have also heard from families who are still very concerned. I hope you can understand the gravity of the situation and why, from my perspective, I cannot rush into a decision. Okay, y'all, there were so many things about that that pissed me off. But here's the big thing, okay? Ugh. So I replied on April 16th. I tried to reply and kind of sum up the stupidity of all this, okay? And again, I changed some names to keep names out of, the po- out of this podcast. So what I sent to the headmaster and head of HR on April 16th, okay? Oh my gosh, you guys, this has been going on for so long and I'm just like losing my mind, right? So... I said, thank you for offering to meet, but I believe it is important to have things in print. Please allow me to clarify a few things. I am not seeking employment elsewhere at this time. I am aware that you have visited my LinkedIn profile multiple times. Therefore, you know that it to be lacking of any information that would suggest I am looking for another job. The principal told me on Tuesday that the two of you were meeting on Wednesday, and he said he would be discussing my situation with you. Are you saying that did not happen? This was another reason I was hoping for a decision by today, since you said it was basically in the principal's court. Your email seems to imply that you have received just as much negative feedback about me as you have positive. I will remind you that you told me you did not want or need any more letters sent in supporting me. While I feel the letters that were sent by former students, current parents, the brother-in-law to the president-elect of the board, as well as the wife of a former member of the board, should be quite impactful. There were definitely more out there wanting to write on my behalf. When people who were or are very frustrated with what is happening have asked me what they can do to help, I have told them to just wait and see. The fact is, there is an overwhelming amount of support for me. I will also tell you that many members of the upper school faculty have asked what they can do, but they fear speaking up due to feeling their own jobs will be in jeopardy. You mentioned family still being concerned about Facebook posts. Can you please send me what posts other than the one in August are causing the problems? Posts that have been, quote, counter to the directions of the school? I do not recall being shown such posts. If you consider pro-life posts, or other pro-conservative belief posts to be countered to the direction of the school, that's a whole other issue. I was under the impression that the three-week investigation was about concerns people brought up after the Kansas City Star article. It is also my understanding, spoken by the school attorney, that no school policies have been broken since August when you chose to reinstate me. As I pointed out in my last email, you stated at the beginning of the investigation that if it ended positively, you saw no reason why my future at the school would be at stake. You often mention that you like to model full transparency, yet I feel the lack of transparency in this entire process has been unprofessional and has enabled you to make vague statements about my character based on unsubstantiated claims. Most recently, I was told I would not be shown any of the accusations against me without my attorney being involved. You know this means a great deal of time and money, when in all honesty, you could have easily been transparent with me from the beginning regarding exactly who was claiming what, so I had full opportunity to disprove the lies. 
like I was able to do with every accusation I was told thus far. It is not my goal to be argumentative or defensive or disrespectful. I pray every meeting for God to help me to be respectful and to be treated with respect. I am passionate. I have said to you and the principal numerous times, this is my life. This is my career. This process has affected every aspect of my life. My health has taken a huge hit, and even my own brother's health has been affected because he's so worried about what this is doing to me. You know, having experienced cancer, additional stress is not good, and the patient be should be fully focused on themselves. My brother, the day of surgery, was checking on me instead of focusing on his own strength needed to beat cancer. The math department is currently juggling so many balls in the air. Due to the department chair's horrible reaction to a vaccine, another math teacher's wonderful new addition to the family, two other math teachers trying to cover for the department chair's classes, and we can't even determine everyone's teaching schedule for next year because multiple people's schedules depend on if I'm here. It is so unfair to continue to be put to put all of them in the world of the unknown, which is a big reason why I had been pushing for an answer. All of this negatively affects our students. The students deserve to have a department that is solid and prepared. While I know I am the best fit for the job, it is only fair that a decision is made. So if you have determined that not to be me, an appropriate search can begin for a replacement. Displaying this only, delaying this only hurts the students. Not to mention what it will do to the conservative students if I am not here for them. They will have no one. It saddens me the way all of this has been handled. And while I understand your feeling of the gravity in this decision, there is also gravity in the attack on my character for months. I feel the school's pillars of respect, compassion, and integrity have not been followed throughout this process. I have been approached by multiple faculty members regarding the situation, how it has been handled, and their disappointment in administration. Faculty, community members, and others are waiting to hear from me about the outcome of this, about my future with the school. This is why I was trying to send to get some sort of deadline, because there's only so long that I can keep saying, quote, they still don't know. Many feel administration is dragging things out on purpose in hopes that I quit, trying to break me down. Let me be clear that my commitment to my students will always come first. Quitting on them is not an option. Respectfully, Beth. Even after all that, you guys, still nothing. Nothing. Finally, I'm told in May that maybe we can meet at the beginning of summer. Yeah, you heard me right. They didn't want to give me an answer until after school is out which is way long after other schools are done their hiring. Oh my goodness. So May 9th, I send another email to the headmaster and the principal. And now I'm copying my attorney on everything. I said, I'm unavailable the first three and a half weeks of June due to travel. And then I'm officiating a wedding. Can we meet May 24th, 25th or 26th for your decision? It would be greatly appreciated. That was on May 9th, May 12th. Good Lord, May 12th, I send, oh my gosh, you guys, I can't make this up. So I send another email, head of school, principal, attorney. Since I've not heard back from either of you in response to my email from May 9th, I would like to follow up with a bit of information I think you should be aware of. Each day I have between three to seven adults asking me what's going on and why I've not been told about my contract for next year. I do not have a reason to give them. 
I am honest in saying I believe it's not going to be good news this late in the game. It has been said to me by many of my fellow faculty and staff that this is extremely disheartening seeing how this is being handled. Unprofessional, lacking in demonstrating our pillars of respect, compassion, and integrity. And I've stated over and over, this is awful for my department. Perhaps having to hire in June or July and then also needing to change the schedule since the principal already approved the schedule with me teaching all the non-accelerateds, and that will not be what a new person will be given. As I've stated multiple times, it's not fair to the students. Each day I have multiple students asking me who their teacher will be next year, asking if I will be teaching them calculus. To them I say, at this time I have not received a contract, so I do not know who will be teaching you next year. I was asked just yesterday by a student, if I wanted an, a hashtag to be started to get me back, I told them I'm not directing anyone to do anything. I feel I need to stay out of what the students do, but that I doubted a hashtag would change any decisions. We now have had held elections for clubs. The conservative club asked who's going to be their sponsor next year. And also we're very concerned that their voices are not being heard now. What happens when they don't have an adult speaking up for them? I did not have an answer other than continue to stand up for what you believe, continue to use your voice. The pep club officers have inquired as to who will be leading the club next year. I had no answer. I'm not sure what to tell my advisees, but feel horrible for having not informed them that they may have to have a new advisor for next year. I've already been, been approached by three juniors to write their college rec letters next year. I had to tell them, if I'm here, I'm happy to do it. However, as I'm sure both of you know, their college counselors suggest that they secure their rec riders now instead of waiting until fall. So I've told them to have a backup. I see no reasons for the delay and me being told. I simply do not know what more can be shown in order for you to make a decision. At this point, I can only assume it's to be certain that there is no farewell in the voice. There's no announcement at the end of the year meeting. There's none of the deserved recognition of 25 years dedicating my life to this community. Even in times like this, where my health and mindset are daily challenged by the stress and anxiety of wondering about my future, I'm still putting my students first by being the only faculty to support a certain student at his blood drive yesterday. And I was the only faculty member along with one admin to attend another student's praying of the rosary or numerous other things that I continue to go out of the way to do to make sure my kids are taken care of. I am again requesting that we meet May 24th, 25th, or 26th prior to me leaving town in June. My lawyer will be joining us via Zoom, so I would really appreciate having some time for her to see what works in her schedule. Ah. Uh, yeah. Even reading it back, I'm just, it, it all just amazes me. So I did get a reply to that from the headmaster. Beth, we are focused on the end of the year events for the next two weeks. Principal and I will coordinate calendars tomorrow and see if one of the days suggested works for us. Whether we meet the last week in May or the week of June 7th, we will do so without your attorney in person or via Zoom. If your attorney has any questions, she can contact the school's attorney. What the hell, y'all? Now I'm reading this and I'm like, so now you're saying that you're going to keep me in limbo possibly until June and that I can't have my attorney present? So I reply to this and I say, well, thank you for your response. Per our conversation on February 18th of 2021, you stated 
that you had no problem with my attorney coming to any future meetings so long as I let you know in advance so you have a chance to have the school's attorney present as well. That was on May 13th. Y'all, this was probably the most disgusting, gross misuse of power throughout this whole ordeal. I was told that the only way I was going to be able to know my future, meaning if I get a contract or not, was if I agreed to meeting with these two male administrators with no lawyer. Oh, and I also replied back saying, well, my lawyer said if she can't come, she wants me to record it. And they're like, no, you can't record anything. So I can't have anybody in there with me. I can't record anything. Really? I am an educator. We are all educators. I have 25 years of perfect reviews. There is no reason for treatment like this. Like, do they think I'm some like spy in a Mission Impossible movie? I, I just don't even know what to say. Uh, so I go to this meeting. Mm, y'all, I go to this meeting the end of May. I arrive at the meeting at the headmaster's office. I go upstairs. I knew that my phone was going to be taken. That wasn't it, you guys. I am then told, oh, yeah, leave your phone with the secretary. Yeah, we're also going to need you to leave your purse. You cannot take a phone. You cannot take your purse. You cannot take an attorney. You can't take any other person in there. All you can take is a piece of paper and a pen to take notes on. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they even let me have that, right? That's all I could take into the headmaster's office with my two male bosses, one of which I had already filed two complaints against, behind closed doors. No legal representation. Not even some other neutral party. Not even the head of HR. Nothing. Take a minute. Just let that sink in. What did they plan on saying or doing that they were so concerned about having no record of it? Was it just to intimidate me? I mean, I think this is actually what harassment in a hostile work environment is. This is crazy. But I did it. I went in there. And I scribbled notes as fast as I could, you guys. It was another meeting of heart-wrenching character assassinations and all the things. I mean, just crazy, you guys. I was told during that meeting that I was now being seen as, like, argumentative because of all my emails to them requesting to know my future. Anyways, I was told I needed, this is what came from the meeting. I was told that I needed to see the difference between intent and impact and that he knew the intent of my post was not the impact it had. Here's what the headmaster said. He said that there were two things that he still struggled with. Yeah. One, the lack of my genuine apology. Yeah, he literally told me that he has not heard me say in a genuine way that I'm really sorry for how this transpired, how it impacted the Jewish community and the kids taking my class, and how tough a year this made it 
for the school administration that it keeps coming up and that I don't acknowledge the gravity of it all. Point number two. He felt that I had an approach like I'm the victim, that I felt I was being treated unfairly, and that while he knows I've had undue stress, he didn't like that the conservative community saw me as being a victim and being mistreated. He claimed that when people asked him about the situation, he would reply with saying he cannot discuss personnel issues. Yet I'm talking to kids, according to him. So I said, um, when kids ask me if I'm returning, I say, quote, I don't know. I haven't been told anything, which is the honest truth. That was my reply to him. He also claimed over and over this had nothing to do with politics. Went on and on for I don't know how, you know, again, ranting about my character, my beliefs. I scribbled notes. I held back anger and tears. Ah, uh, you guys. Again, what was so important? Think about it. I can't even tell you everything that was said, but all you need to remember is that they had the intention to say and do things that they did not want recorded. They did not want a lawyer there. They did not want my phone there. Nothing. It was, it was just too much, you guys. After sitting through all that, then he says something like, well, Beth, I have a contract for you. Because I did get upset in the end when I, I kind of went through the points that he had said and defended myself yet again. And I do have a tendency when I get mad, I cry. <laughs> I do. So I was in tears once again and whatever. And that's when he's like, well, Beth, I mean, I have a contract for you. I'm like, what the actual hell? I didn't say that, but... I just sat there in shock. So I took it. I mean, I remember standing up and I took it and I kind of looked at him and I looked at my principal like, and I said, well, I need to read over this. I need to talk to my attorney. Like, when do you have to have this back? And I think we met on Wednesday. The principal said, do you think by Friday? Okay, you guys, usually... We get our contracts and usually, now mind you, everybody else gets their contract like first week of March and then it's due back by spring break. So you usually have like eh, 10 days with your contract to look over it and stuff and to get it back. I was like, well, I'll try. I left. I went to the secretary to gather my belongings like I was getting out of jail or something. Went back to my car, sat and sat in tears again trying to figure out what I did to deserve this. So the next day I look it over and I see on my contract that my extra duties aren't listed. So like pub club sponsor, advisor, conservative club sponsor, senior sponsor, all these things that bring additional money that have been my contract forever, right? So basically my contract was wrong. So the dollar amount was I also notice at the very bottom it says it's due by Friday, May 28th at 8 a.m. It's now Thursday evening. So I go to send an email. I make sure the email is delivered to my principal at 7 a.m. Friday morning so that I know it's going to get to him before the due time. Okay, I wanted to make sure he had it before 8 a.m. I told him, hey, I noticed the due date and time on this, but my contract is not right. All of my extra duties aren't on here. So can we meet first thing in the morning to discuss this? So he replied in the morning. He asked me, 
can we meet after faculty meeting? Okay, so I'm letting you guys know faculty meeting is at 8 a.m. So he's requesting that we meet after the time on the contract is due. Okay, it's my principal telling me to come after the meeting. So I agreed. Like, that's fine. So we met, we talked about all the extra duties, and he's still good with me doing pep club. He's still good with me doing conservative club. Um, he's still good with me doing senior class, you know, all the things. And I said, he said, is there anything you want to give up? And I was like, well, if other people need more points on their contract, I would be fine giving up advisory. He's like, okay, I'm going to get with head of HR, have them do a new, have them update the contract and get you the new contract for you to sign. And I'm like, okay, great. All Friday goes by, no contract. Saturday comes, no contract. So I email head of HR and I'm like, hey, met, met with the principal. I tell her the situation. And I'm like, I still don't have a contract to sign. She then replies to me and says, all extensions on contracts need to go through the headmaster and he's out of the office through Monday since it's a holiday. Weird, I didn't ask for an extension. All I'm asking for is the contract with the correct duties on it with the correct dollar amount that I was promised by, I mean, the duties that I was promised by my principal on Friday. All I was asking for, I'm not asking for an extension. I hear nothing back for the long holiday weekend. Y'all, on June 1st, this is the email I get from the headmaster. Beth, it has come to my attention that you asked for an extension on the offer of employment. Even after the offensive social media posts you have made and the negative attention it caused you and the school, we tried to work with you throughout the year to get to a point where we both felt good about moving forward. However, it has been apparent during and after our latest meeting that the relationship between you and the school is fractured. We have both communicated our apprehension to each other about the future, so at this time, it is best for us to go in our different directions. Therefore, the offer of employment will not be renewed. I wish you the best of luck in the future. Y'all, I cannot make this up. So they gave me a wrong contract, requested to meet with me. The principal asked me to meet with him after the due date and time. Principal told me all was good, that he was going to add the extra duties, have head of HR get me a new contract that I can sign. Then all of a sudden, I'm told that I asked for an extension and that all the other yada yada and that I wouldn't get a contract. Mind you, every year this one included, people don't get their contracts in on time. Even this year in particular, I know of an administrator that had not turned theirs in because when I brought this up to that person, that person was like, mine's still sitting in my drawer just because I forgot to sign it and turn it in. No extension, nothing. I was floored. I was floored, you guys. So that's how it all ended. That's how you get treated. A member of the faculty, 25 years experience. And I just have to tell you, I have to tell you guys, that's how you get treated after this. Let me just say this. It happened to be that that year, it was either that year or right prior to that, I had been um, evaluated. You don't get evaluated every year at certain years. And I happen to have had mine recently. Let me just share with you, this is a person that they did not renew contract. Let me just share with you a couple things, okay? From my evaluation, the 
pr assistant principal, head of faculty development, wrote this about me. The teacher actively develops positive relationships with all students. You offered each student the same level of warmth and attention. One student lingered with a non-math question that involved a longer conversation, and you didn't rush. You gave them your full attention. In the multiple times that I've been in your classroom, you are consistent in treating each student equally, showing no preferences for some students over others. I commend you on your consistency in your classes. You are consistent in your positive talk and encouragement to students, in your language that holds students accountable for taking responsibility to memorize what you are teaching them and ask questions, and in how you treat students equally warmly. In Charlotte Danielson's framework, you have mastery in, quote, classroom environment. Beth, thank you for your decades of service to students, faculty, and community. You went above and beyond as the social coordinator for upper school faculty and for encouraging cross-campus connections. Daily, you foster positive school spirit and positive attitudes about learning math in your students. Keep up the energy and great work. And the school counselor wrote this. The school counselor says, as an advisor, Beth is a natural. She connects with all students in all different ways. That is what the school evaluated me as. And then they put me through this hell over what? My politics? Was it my politics? Was it perhaps... The fact that I many times had brought up, brought up a um, disparity in pay of females and males at that school. What was it they were coming after me? What was it? I'm going to read one more thing because you guys, after going through all this, it makes you doubt yourself. It really does. So I have to remind myself of this, a letter from a former student. And she wrote this to the headmaster and, cop and sent me a copy. As a black woman and former student of Mrs. Reams, I want to mention some intimate and meaningful moments that we shared over the years. I would appreciate if this information was considered as decisions are made for Mrs. Reams' future. I transferred to this school as a freshman from a middle school in a poverty-ridden community. To say that my transition to this school was a culture shock would be an understatement. However, I was able to build a community with a couple of adults in which Mrs. Reams was one. I am a firm believer in giving people their flowers while they are still here on earth, instead of waiting until people have passed away to remember the good that they brought to this world. With that said, I pride myself with being vocal about the positive impact that Mrs. Reams had on my life as a student, athlete, and person. Mrs. Reams was the sole educator that I felt desired to know and understand her students beyond the classroom. I have fond memories of Mrs. Reams offering study sessions to make certain that her students retained information on content presented during class. Mrs. Reams attended numerous basketball games, including our two state tournament runs. I also remember Mrs. Reams volunteering her limited free time to learn dance choreography with us after hours in an effort to appease a group of teenage girls. Personally, I believe Mrs. Reams could have never verbally expressed her care and appreciation for me because her actions provided me with a level of affirmation that was non-existent from other Pembroke teachers ooh, over the course of my academic career. 
holding high academic expectations for me by expecting nothing but excellence and showing up and being in tune with my extracurricular activities was the evidence that my heart needed and received. As I close, I will leave you with these words. I learned a lot from Mrs. Reams during my short time at that school. Mrs. Reams was a great example of a courageous woman who was and is unapologetically herself and loves deeply. I often reflect on the model that I had unlimited access to during my four years at that school. Again, I hope my response provides clarity surrounding my direct experiences with the well-respected Mrs. Reeves. That's who they got rid of, y'all. That's who they got rid of. June 1st, that's who those two male administrators deemed was like harmful to the school or did not exude their pillars. June 1st. June 9th was my birthday. New year, new world, right? Neil and I decided I'd help him with a new business endeavor out of our home. Me at our dining room into an office space. And I was also thinking about going back to teaching in the future once I recovered from all this. But for now, going to do something a little different. My amazing brother continued his fight. We were actually told that he was all clear in March. But we took our final trip to Cabo with him and with my husband in June. We then found out in June the cancer had gone to his brain. Then he broke his femur. His femur, the cancer, was in his bones. All of it was just too much, you guys. All of the dominoes just kept falling. So when August came and I would not be returning to school for the first time literally since I was five years old, when going to Walmart and seeing school supplies made me cry, I never thought I would be upset about not attending back-to-school meetings or about not having to sit and do lesson plans. It was all a lot to handle for sure. So my dear friends offered a weekend at the lake for myself, my husband, and two more of our dear friends. We had so many tears, but lots of smiles too. We had a great weekend and they just kept trying to convince me that it was going to be okay, that, that this institution didn't deserve me and that I'd be better off and it's going to be okay. That Sunday morning in August, my sweet husband wakes me up and he's like, you don't have to go into school tomorrow because on Monday in August, I would be going in and doing lesson plans or going to meetings or whatever. And he's like, you don't have to go in tomorrow. So can we just stay at the lake for one more day since you don't have school tomorrow? You don't have to plan for school. You don't have to be home on Monday. So can we just stay? What did I say, you guys? Sure. We can stay. We stayed on Sunday. Because I had lost my job, we stayed on Sunday. And that night, that afternoon, early evening, my husband was killed 